Welcome back, my fellow pioneers in the space between the picket lines. This is where we talk about all things pro-life, but we come at it from a strictly scientific, logical, and provable basis. Now, in our last discussion, we looked at the history of abortion. And today's discussion centers around men in the movement. You see, for an incredibly long period of time, I've heard some version of this is a fight for, by, and about women. Men. <laughs> they have no place in it. And I'm here today to convince you of the antithesis. And we're doing something super fun as well on today's episode because I actually have a man who will be interviewing with me today. First guest on the show. So you should be very excited and so should he. Now joining me for our discussion is a good friend of mine and fellow Dallas Baptist University student, Philip Wilson. We are both involved in the pro-life patriots group that is on campus and we actually became friends because I was impressed with his drive to protect and defend the pre-born. So, say hi to him real quick, Philip. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. All <laughs> So, how we're going to do this is as follows. I'm going to ask him questions, which he has not heard at any point before right now, and he is going to answer them cold turkey, mostly because that I've found that the in-the-moment answers tend to be the most truthful ones. So... Are you ready? I was born ready. <laughs> I like it. See, that's the gusto we're looking for. So question number one, why do you personally consider yourself to be pro-life? I think that it's been normalized so much in modern society that it's just completely messed up. You know, something just so evil as murdering you know, children being normalized is just bad. And also gives the opportunity to do bad things or, or to live a lifestyle that isn't pleasing to the Lord. Absolutely. Now we'll hop back around to what religion has to do with this in just a little while. So before we get to that, though, I would like to know, when did you first become aware that there are those out there who do not share your pro-life views? When did you first find out there's even a fight about this to begin with? Uh, so I have both uh, my sister and my mother were very uh, pro-life and they were very vocal about it. So I've known about it for a while now, but I wasn't really super, uh, I didn't really know about it a whole lot or it was very interested. I wouldn't say interested, but I just was confused about it. There was so much going on until a year ago or something to that extent where I really sat down and I thought about it. And it's just, yeah. So about a year ago was whenever you first came to the realization that this is something that you care about being involved in, which is super duper awesome. But the question more revolves around when did you find out that there are those who disagree with your family, who disagree with you, who say, you know what, I should be allowed to murder my kids should I so desire to. When did you find out that those people exist? I mean, I've obviously, if you have one thing, there's going to be group people who are against it. So I've known about it, you know, since I was a small child, but really... The, I guess their arguments and what they believe in. It's really about a year ago as well that I've really known the extent of their beliefs. Fantastic. Not fantastic that there's the alternative, but fantastic that you are aware of its existence, I should say. Now, this leads me to another interesting question. I'm guessing that there was a moment for you that sticks out in your memory. The first time that you were telling people 
you know, I am pro-life for reasons X, Y, or Z, or maybe you were at an event or something of that variety, and someone said to you, I disagree. Can you picture that moment? And if so, tell me about it. Well, this, like, so I guess this issue, probably online, I saw some people just talking about it, and I really kind of connected a few brain cells together, and I was like, hold up, this doesn't, that's, that's not it. So that's kind of, I got, I went down the rabbit hole from there, but I'd say online, definitely online discourse was where I really realized, uh, just p- other people's opinions and just, I was like, yo, you're very wrong. <laughs> I have to agree with you. I, I would say, you know, what was, what's really interesting for me about online discourse as a sub segment of having this conversation and, and going across the aisle on this is I actually, and Philip knows this, I, uh, spent up until this past summer, actually, being very ardently not involved in anything online. I had Facebook because my family had like a group chat that was on Facebook Messenger, and Facebook doesn't let you have Messenger without the group chat. So I was like, dang. So that's the only thing that I had for a very long time. And then over the summer, I was at this pro-life conference, live action, hoo yeah, and at it, I made the realization that for our generation, because we're growing up with all this tech, for our generation, being online, that is where one of the main battlegrounds is at. So I got involved in online discourse, and I had the same realization you did, that, wow, there are people on here who say some pretty terrible things about what we should and shouldn't be allowed to do to the pre-born. So I would definitely be in concurrence with you on that one. Now, my next question is, why do you feel, as a guy, no less, that you have a right and slash or a duty to tell another person, especially a female, that it's morally correct to be pro-life and conversely to that, that it is morally abhorrent to be pro-choice. Why do you as a man have a right to tell a woman that? Well, first off, abortion attacks the nuclear family and the very fabric of our society. And in general, that's not, not talking about Christianity, I'm just talking in general, abortion allows a breakdown of the family union. And that is the most important thing in society is the family so that is first and foremost where my concern comes in is the family unit, and second off, as a man, uh, we're supposed to protect, you know, innocent, vulnerable people, and that's kind of in nature. That would be kind of our job is to a provide and b protect. So, abortion, which attacks part of the most innocent members of our society, is just against what it means to be a man, in my opinion. Or not my opinion. That that is the fact. That is that's not opinion. That is fact. And if you disagree with me, you are factually wrong. And don't worry, uh, I actually have quite a few video, or not videos, podcasts, episodes before this one, uh, wherein you can find out the logical and factual reasons why Philip says that he is right and you are wrong if you are listening to this and you are someone who is currently pro-choice. And by the way, if you are listening to this and you are pro-choice, thanks for being here. This is a space where everyone can have open discourse. So cheers to you for that. And by the way, I do agree with you, Phil, that that is exactly true. We we have a right and we have a duty to talk to people who are pro-choice because here's the thing. Maybe, just maybe, you're the person who can convince that individual who is currently pro-choice to be pro-life instead. And you have no idea how many lives that can affect after the fact. So if you are that person who is brave enough to stand up and say, we shouldn't murder babies and here's why, you have no idea the kinds of effects, the kinds of ripple effects that that can have on not just that person's life, but countless others who they know and countless others who they know. All it takes is one. So my next question to you, Phil, would be, 
What is your advice to males who feel that they have zero place within the pro-life movement? Well, my advice is to buckle up and just ignore what people say and realize that, yes, you do have a place in it. Yes, that half of that child is because of you. You have a direct responsibility for that child's life, and it is your duty to actually protect it. So that's my advice. Absolutely. And that's very solid advice for men who, you know, are trying to figure out whether they should speak up and convince possibly the the, the, the mother of their unborn child not to have an abortion. But my question to you off of that would be, what about the guys like yourself, the guys who aren't attached to anyone and you're just still part of this fight? Why do, why should guys like you step into this ring even if they don't, you know, have a hat in the ring currently? What's your motive there? Well, you can't just watch a car wreck and not call the police, for example. Like, you need to, even if you're an outside spectator and you see a tragedy happening, which is young mothers being lied to or coerced into abortions, you can't just watch that and do nothing. It is morally um, apprehensible. So it's just, you can't witness something like that and just do nothing. I just can't, I don't see it. Absolutely. So essentially, the argument would become, it doesn't matter if you know the child in the womb. It's irrelevant. It, it's irrelevant for it, what matters is children shouldn't be murdered, yeah. period, whether they're in the womb or outside of the womb. And as as men, as the heads of the nuclear family, as it were, based off of what God tells us in the Bible, it is our it is your duty to be the one to step up and say this far and no farther. Is that about correct? Yeah, it's about right. And it's not just what God what God tells us in the Bible, but it's also how society works on a grand scale, too. The nuclear family is a fact. You cannot break that down. And the fact is men are, in fact, in the role of that. That's not misogynistic. That's just fact. Absolutely. Now, up next, and this one's going to be a tricky one for you, possibly. So I'm really curious to see the answer or to hear the answer. What is the biggest lie that you have faced regarding the pro-life movement? And why do you label it as a lie. Now, it's not just like men don't belong in the movement, but like within that, I'm sure you've heard one specific thing over and over again. What is it and why is it a lie? So the biggest lie here is that life is inherently valuable. So the pro-choice argument has uh, evolved past life. It's not a life. People used to say that it was not life. It was just a clump of cells. It has evolved past that to kind of postmodernist philosophy where life itself is not valuable, but it is, val- it is valuable when you're born, not only when you're born, but when you gain experience and memories and relationships, that is a lie. That is simply not true. Life is valuable from the get-go. Life is inherently valuable. No one can put a arbitrary line on when life becomes valuable. Nobody has that right. So that is the biggest lie in the entire abortion movement, is that life is not inherently valuable. Absolutely. And by the way, I happen to also have a previous podcast episode that goes into why that's factually true. So I got all the info there. You guys just got to go click on another podcast episode. Who yeah. Now, final question before we get to this week's book recommendation. And think on this for a second because this might be the one thing people remember. What is the most pressing thing which you would like anyone listening to this episode to remember afterwards what's the one thing if they only remember one thing what do you want it to be no matter how awful a life may seem to a lot of people go around saying well this person's life is going to be miserable anyways or to that extent i've seen actually that happen quite a few quite a few times in real life too no matter how bad someone's life is 
going to be. You, no one has the right to decide that. Everybody forges, forges their own way, no matter how hard that life might be. And it's that was that's what partially gives life its purpose is to forge your own way and do what is right, no matter your setting or your dis- disabilities, no matter how, how, however whatever form they may take. Exactly. And to, to put that a bit more succinctly, if you will, you don't have the right to to take someone else's potential away before they've even had a chance to be born. That is not for you to decide. That's on Christ alone. And even beyond that, if you're listening to this and you know someone who's got a disability, maybe like Down syndrome, perhaps, because I was actually just reading earlier today that Down syndrome children, more of them are aborted worldwide than are allowed to live. There's actually doctors will recommend to women who find out that they are pregnant with a child um, that has Down syndrome, the doctor will actually recommend an elective abortion because, you know, woe is that child and how difficult life will be for them on this planet. I, that, to me, is insanity. And, and Phil can back me up on this, probably. It's, it is so crazy to me to think that we would look at any... We would never look at someone who is currently in this world living and, and you know, figuring their way out just like the rest of us are, who just happens to have a disability of some kind and tell them they didn't deserve to have a chance at life. We would never do that. Phil, is that about what you're saying? That's exactly it. That's a perfect summary. Fantastic. And now, normally, this is where I would give you the book recommendation of the week, but because we've got a guest on... I'm going to go ahead and have him give you a book recommendation off the cuff. Let's see what he comes up with. My book, re- my book recommendation probably be Revelations, and in particular, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, where Christ talks about if you're either being hot or cold but not lukewarm. Absolutely, and I think that's such a perfect you know, summation. One, read Revelations. It's actually got a lot of really, really fascinating stuff in there that's useful for anybody to know, whether you're Christian or otherwise, and especially for the fellow Christians who might be listening to this. Revelations is a fantastic look into what's to come. And um, if I can bounce off of that, after Revelations, read Romans. Romans is God's love letter to us. It details why life matters so incredibly much. So with that, this is my favorite part right here, this next bit. I'm, I'm going to take a moment to let you know that if you are the one who is facing a crisis pregnancy, or maybe you know someone who is, please send them my way. Or if you're that person, find me. You can find me on all the social media. I'm under Proudly Pro-Life Gen Z Woman. Or if you're finding me on Facebook, I'm under Bex David. That's B-E-X, like X-ray, last name David, D-A-V-I-D. I just, I really, really want to help you out. And if you're someone who's looking to get plugged into the pro-life movement, maybe maybe you're another man and maybe this is, this is that moment for you. Or maybe you're a woman and you've just been really wanting to get involved for a while and you just don't know how to. Find me. I can help you make that happen. But above all else, please remember how loved and how precious and how held by our Savior you are. And I challenge you to live as though that is true and watch how your world changes. Now, next week is going to be really fun because we're going to be talking about resources and help that you can get uh, if you are a person who is in need of those things. But for now, let's continue to be pioneers in the space between the picket lines together. Thank you ever ever so kindly for joining me this week.